Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, BladeDisgusting.com's Dead Pixels horror video game podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Saturday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bolt. And this week we're discussing the multiplayer beta for Back for Blood, the squad-based zombie shooter from Turtle Rock Studios, the developer behind the original Left 4 Dead. As Back for Blood is largely a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead, Neil and I will dig into the features that evolve on that core identity and see how that identity holds up all these years later. So Neil, I guess in starting, did you have much experience with the Left 4 Dead series uh, prior to playing Back for Blood's beta? Yeah, it's a very similar story to the one we had last week with Dead Rising, where it's one of those Xbox games that came out that was like, oh, this looks amazing. You know, I love to look at this. And so, but it took me years to get to play it. And I think it was not until I got a decent enough PC uh, for a while um, that I managed to get into it at all. And yeah, you know, Left 4 Dead 2 was where I really had my jumping in point and really enjoyed that as the first sort of caught online multiplayer game that I really got into properly, I think it has to be said. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of one of those where you go, oh, it'd be good if Valve made games again, you know, like, <laughs> like, that, like that. I know they do, yeah. but it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. those kind of, that sort of sweet spot period at the end of Half-Life 2, Episode 2. And then you've got stuff like the Portal 2 and that, and it was just 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 a hell of a run and that game was yes yeah, the sequel i remember getting so much shit at the time for doing certain things and oh it's not the same character lead characters and all this and that and the other but it, yeah arguably it was better you know and i think many games have tried in the years after that to sort of replicate that co-op uh, pve sort of thing and to different degrees of success uh, especially in the horror I mean, I think of stuff like World War Z, or the, I'm sure the upcoming Evil Dead will do a bit of that. The Aliens Fire Team will be doing that to a degree as well. And, you know, even Call of Duty with Zombies has been doing that for, for a while. So, yeah, it's, you know, here we have, you know, not for the first time in this industry in recent years, an old hand at this uh, particular genre trying to go back to it and redefine it or reshape it their way you know whilst not upsetting the apple cart too much which you know for anyone that doesn't know total rock as you said made you know in part makers of the original games left dead and they made evolve which despite being a bit of a disaster which it wasn't all their fault that was partly due to the publisher being a bit overzealous with uh by this version, by this version, by this version, and this version is there, and that version's there, and yeah, it went on and on and on. Um, but yeah, the, that game had such ambition because it set up this whole asymmetrical multiplayer system where, that has now become you know, popular in like Dead by Daylight, you know, one of the biggest horror games around, you know, these days. So part of me going into this has always been like yeah it's cool they're going back to that sort of left for dead formula but the other part of me thinking wow they really did get burned by everything to do with evolve if they have to sort of play it safe i'm i came out of the beta with a different mind on it maybe a little but yeah that that, that concern still kind of rings true yeah, I think I have such fond memories and nostalgia for uh, the, especially the original Left 4 Dead, but also, of course, Left 4 Dead 2, um, and just how pure and simplistic it was. And yet it was one of those examples of it's like, keep it simple, stupid. It's simple, but it was refined and executed on a way that 
was essentially foolproof. Even my buddies that weren't necessarily into horror, it was a first-person shooter, it was squad-based, it was easy to kind of get my buddies invested in a game of part of a genre that they weren't necessarily a big fan of, and there wasn't a lot of sort of teaching them the ropes other than, hey, let's play for 30 minutes, and by the end of that 30 minutes, you more or less have got a handle on things and how it works, and then you can start to adapt to sort of the ever-evolving challenge. And that was the big thing that I think stood out to me the most was the idea of the AI director, right? Which is that based on how the a squad is progressing, the AI has essentially a director that is noticing that. And if mm-hmm. the players are having an easy go of it, then all of a sudden you get hit with a horde or you get hit with a group of special infected and whatnot. And that was something that always made Left 4 Dead stand out to me as being a PvE experience that really was curtailing to where a group of players are at. And that Mm. was partially what made it so fun when coming in with new people, like my friends that were, uh, for lack of a better word, like newbies at it, they would come in and the game would start to obviously get increasingly difficult the more they started to sort of master the fundamentals. And adhering to that and not having this really steep learning curve right out the gate was something that made those games very appealing. And then it made it for a game that became sort of like our regular rotation all of a sudden because it's like well this is getting a little too easy and then as soon as it gets too easy right the difficulty spikes um and that always sort of pulled everybody back in and was just like okay we actually have to reassess things um and so to go from the original left for deads and then having evolve which literally is kind of evolving on a lot of the core fundamentals of left for dead in a way in Mm -hmm. terms of it being this asymmetrical multiplayer and whatnot and it kind of having a blunder I always view that as being this really unfortunate period where it's like, well, there's the the sort of inklings of the creativity and the ways in which you would evolve on these different frameworks um, in a way that, I mean, post all of the sort of pre-order nonsense and all of those things that were uh, due to the publisher and whatnot, by the time they actually started to make a lot of the changes that the community wanted to make this a more of a viable product it was too late, right? It's this idea that it's been so far since release that people have lost interest. You've kind of, the chatter around this has died down. And once people lose interest or you get further from that release window, the idea you're going to reel them back in is just not really realistic. So, I mean, in terms of going from that to back for blood, I think it's the smartest decision because you want to return to a realm of gaming that you have, that you are remembered fondly for, right? Hmm. But I think the biggest thing is is that going into Back for Blood, it looks familiar on the surface, but once you get your hands on it, it yeah. needs to be more than sort of the baseline experience that I think we all remember with Left for Dead. And so I'm really excited to unpackage Back for Blood with you. Yeah, absolutely, because I think it does try to do some things different, you know, and add longevity where there wasn't there before. Of course. You know, we have to caveat that by saying that being such a small portion of the game, relatively speaking, it means you can't really assess it in the same way you can the whole of Left 4 Dead. There are things missing now that you you could say that's a concern, but it feels like you would get the full picture once you'd seen more of the game. Um, yeah, so maybe just starting with a story would be, would be part of it because part of that whole thing we were saying about the smarts behind Left 4 Dead were that a lot of things happened in the background and by repeated play you get not only different scenarios come up just organically because of the help of the director 
but also you'd get fed little snippets of story throughout without realizing it and it sort of you know you sponged it in and it's there's a tiny bit of that here but i think you know at the same time you can't get much of it here because you are just only having a tiny smidgen of it but you know it's the same basic idea last people around in a, a zombie infested sort of environment though they are not the zombies i suppose really in the sense that they're sort of mutant mutant virus people if you will <laughs> called the written um which depending on what country you come from is a, a strange choice of name for enemies but yeah it's that's as i said is a tiny concern for now but like it, it's not the biggest thing i think if you go you know and it's, you have to remember that total <laughs> yeah i know they're backed by warner brothers here but warner brothers clearly don't care that much about the, the gaming division at the minute that was a huge trying to sell it every five minutes um so yeah i think you know they're not playing with the same freedom that they once had and you know with the tech know-how that they had at their hands i'm sure at valve at the time and i think there will be sort of cutbacks to things that made left for dead work and i think again going on the background stuff the director stuff doesn't seem to be there to me because it's clear that difficulty spikes in certain places every time you know once you you get to the ferry part of the uh, missions the the, uh, campaign missions you play everything goes mental you know it's like you go from being yeah it's okay yeah yeah you can go through this fine few hairy moments and then there's this throwing everything at you and it feels like Either something's not supposed to be going in the middle of that, you know, or lead up to that that's not in there right now, or they've just not balanced it yet, which I'm thinking is more likely, and I'm sure feedback will make them think, yeah. I mean, I think they went, to the, as for today's recording, they've gone gold. So they are in the, basically now going to be in the patching stage, you know, all the way up, ready for release. Um, yeah, so there again, a concern. I think this time it is probably going to be the case that it won't have that sort of nuance to it in terms of the director mode you know, that it once had. Uh, but yeah, th- th- that's my first two concerns. Uh, but. Yeah, so I think it was smart again for the setup of this game to be very baseline in terms of being similar to Left 4 Dead, right? This idea mm-hmm. that four-person squad, you're basically running, levels are broken up by running from one safe room to another. Yep. You're going to kind of just mow down hordes of, uh, we'll just call them zombies, even though they're called the Ridden. Uh, there's lots of kind of fodder enemies, but then also kind of the uh, challenging portion of that is, is that the AI will periodically throw in these mutant special type zombies, yeah. right? And a lot of them are not just reskins, I wouldn't want to put it that way, but they are amalgamations of the core identity of the specials from uh, Left 4 Dead, right? So you've got this time it's called the Stinger, which is basically like the witch character that leaps around and immobilizes the player. A Reeker that kind of vomits this uh, acidic bile and then can explode causing lots of uh, area effect damage. Uh, You've got this thing called the Tall Boy, which is literally this massive figure that uh, (laughs) lugs around an arm behind him that kind of just looks like a a big mutant stub or uh, a club almost of flesh. Mm. Um, so basically in between all of these killing things, you're finding equipment, you're finding um, 
different sorts of milestone events, which, like you had said, are my biggest point of concern. Again, this is such a small slice of the game, but it seems that the difficulty only spikes at these milestone events, which are, okay, I have to interact with a piece of the environment, and generally it takes 60 seconds or something for an animation to play out that allows the players to proceed through the level. So in one instance, you come to a train car, you can't get past it, so you have to use this um, machinery that drops enough gravel periodically so you can climb over the train car. So in Left 4 Dead, you had these sprinkled out throughout the campaign levels, but they weren't always tied to a difficulty spike. Of course, the enemies would always show up in uh, a horde of certain uh, size and extent. But at the end of the day, again, you had that AI director throwing a horde at you that was either going to be minimal or it was going to be a literal horde that was going to yeah. overwhelm you based on how you're doing. And like you had said, with especially with that fairy section, that section is a clusterfuck every time I played through it. Mm. I probably played through it three or four times. No matter how we'd been doing, it was always a clusterfuck. And then that, I think, paired with the idea that, at least during the beta, I was playing with a lot of people that were dropping in because they were just doing the random matchmaking. And that causes a lot of difficulty for, obviously, them, but also people like me who had been playing for two or three hours, had gotten a handle on things, obviously plays lots of first-person shooters. And then you have these people that, at no fault of their own, they're getting thrown into this literal clusterfuck and this horrible (laughs) first impression. I mean, maybe this will come up in matchmaking more and it'll get patched and things like that, but I feel that there needs to be something that prevents players from getting their first taste of the game at one of the most difficult parts in the campaign. And I find that the AI director back in the day with Left 4 Dead that was really key in ensuring that like the players were going to get an even experience based on the squad rather than having two people drop in at the hardest point in the game and they just bounce off of it right away because hey every time you play this one section it's going to be incredibly difficult and then they kind of like get the short end of the stick on it right yeah and i don't think the ai generally holds up well enough to sort of handle a lot of those sections as well so Mm -mm. which means you can't really play it solo unless you're like right. shit hot if you will but uh, <laughs> and even then i think the game cheaps out on you in, in that section so much especially with the, the big handed guys they just they just appear every time it's just yeah it, it's weird to think of it like this but um the way call of duty zombies mode has gone uh where you can have like this open world section where you can just sort of go and do bits and pieces like that whilst you know very actually strangely limited compared to blood in terms of sort of tying everything together does seem to get that flow a bit better you know at least you know there that you're going to get into one hell of a fight if you go and do something over here or do something over there but you could just as easily be overwhelmed in the middle of nowhere you know because you just decide to go off and wander off and do something else and I think while I wouldn't want this to be like that and be this uh, open world thing, I like the idea of just sort of like a gauntlet, if you will, where you are running from one place to the other. There can easily be surely a way to make it a bit more organic in terms of how you go challenge-wise. You know, it, it shouldn't just be like, this is the hard bit coming up. Because then it doesn't feel like the, it, a spiritual successor. It feels like a throwback. 
you know, uh, to something before that. You know, where it's like, oh, here's the, you know, here's some health stuff. Here's the boss level, effectively, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the only other time it seems to really kick up a notch is when you get the inevitable idiot in your group that thinks that shooting the birds is a really good idea <laughs> despite the message repeatedly saying don't shoot the birds if you don't right. want, if you don't want like hundreds of zombies to come down on you oh you shot the birds okay the I, warning that pops up right above the birds yeah. before you even see them almost yeah, gives I mean, an indication of the direction they're going to be in i mean you know for all the arguments of dumbing games down so that more people can understand them the text may enemy need to be even bigger but that because <laughs> <laughs> It's just, I mean, I know a lot of the fun of Left 4 Dead was also in just like how people could be arseholes with you. And that really did feed into the whole idea of the zombie apocalypse of like, ah, this person betrayed you at a moment's notice for their own, saved their own skin. And that's cool. That's great. And I think it made them really meme worthy at a time when memes were really becoming a thing on the internet big time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the first games that really did it. You know, I remember seeing lots of that, lots of machinima stuff on it. You know, the, the certain you know, about the witch, you know, about the sort of players that would just bugger off and leave you at, at the last minute when you tried to save themselves. And so, yeah, that I get. That's wonderful. I haven't seen a lot of that with Back to Blood so far, but there are moments, and that, that's where the promise kind of lies. Now it is that you get these moments of where people do stupid things that are out of your control and yeah things go to shit and suddenly your plan is no longer viable I like that in that sense because yeah it does at least give that illusion of what used to be there you know and what people want for that kind of game I just wish it wasn't so straightforward you know that it's just like the fact that you have to point out, you know, back in the day, it was like, it was a learned thing that if you do that to the witch, you, you know, you are going to fuck yourself over and that will be that. Here it's, you know, it's in text above there. You get a warning before that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, you did it. Like that. And it's like, at that point, it becomes like you made a deliberate decision, surely. Because it's like, I think maybe three times did I ever see it accidentally happen because someone hadn't seen it. That, like, that sort of thing happening. But it's rare, and I think this is again a problem with just playing with strangers. Is it's rare that anyone approaches it cautiously. You know, it's always a rush to get to the end, sort of thing, or to kill as many zombies as possible. And you know, the option seems to be there that you can sort of take it a bit careful in places and get through without too much fuss. But you're never allowed to because someone is always going to shoot. You know, even if it's the AI, the AI is like, nah, let's have a go, let's go for it, bam, 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 like that. And you're left going, yeah, right, I wanted a quiet life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is one of the biggest things that I found separate Left 4 Dead from Back for Blood in that, I mean, Left 4 Dead, yeah, if you played it more cautiously and you kind of coordinated as much as the game would allow for, yeah, you would obviously have an easier go of it. Mm. But I found that the further into Back for Blood you get, if you're not playing strategically, then you're just not going to progress. And I think the fairy instance that we talked about where basically you have to blow up this wall and then you have to run across the ferry, uh, a broken up bridge to get to the ferry and then get to the other side. And then you kind of have to go back into the ferry and blow it up and all these things. But you get hit with so many enemies at once and a variety of enemy types. And it's not even all that clear at first, like what you have to do. Yeah. That 
if you're not playing strategically, that section can be almost impossible unless you're just being a run and gun, I'm on my own, fuck my teammates type thing. But if at the end of the day, if you want to win or or reach the end of the level with your squad mates intact, which there are incentives for ensuring everybody survives, then you're going to have to play with either people you know or people that are willing to play smart. And again, that is always the gamble with online multiplayer. And it's one of the elements that I'm the most conflicted on because, again, for this sort of like the game has a quick match option, like I find that that is not a true representation of the potential of this game. Mm. I guess that might be true of any multiplayer games, but I don't remember thinking about in back in the day playing Left 4 Dead like, oh, I have to play this with my friends, of course. Yeah. I would prefer to, but I found that that gameplay style, again, it's more simplistic that it at least allows for drop-in, drop-out play. Whereas this game, they add so many new features, and this is something I want to kind of uh, get into with you in terms of what they're adding to the game, how indicative they are of the time that this game is coming out, how multiplayer games have evolved since the release of not only Left 4 Dead, but of Evolve itself. Um, So I'm curious, kind of, were there any features within Back 4 Blood that you find successfully evolve on the identity of sort of Left 4 Dead? The perk cards, I think, uh, yeah. are the obvious answer. It gives that sort of roguelike element to uh, each stage that you could have a deck of cards, essentially, with little power-ups, and you can choose one of them at the end of each level. And what works about that is that if you have the right sort of deck among, and you, know, you can collect these as you go, which is another incentive to keep playing, is that you can set yourself up for knowing what's coming for each mission. Go well. I need to. You know, I know what's going on with my teammate over there. They're doing it, playing like this with that weapon and that one. Again, this is very dependent on playing with people you know or who are communicative. But you know, you can think tactically about what skill to add, and it, that's what makes it almost like, like I said a multiplayer roguelike for a bit because you adapt on the go in a really fun way and I think that was the thing that kept me coming back was to see if I did this like this but uh, would it change anything but as I said the other problem being then is that unless you're playing with the same people each time it's hard to know quite how effective that's your, your decision is going to be I mean, the, the power ups are general enough I think that they do help in most situations you can sort of get an idea like you know the ferry's coming up maybe I need stuff that's going to make you know health regeneration easier or if I'm if I'm going to be a melee melee guy then I'm going to need to make sure that's powered up a bit more like that I mean I did enjoy doing melee a lot in certain missions but so you know when it does really hit the fan you can't you just cannot play melee only because there's too many and your stamina no matter how much you max it up or bump it up it's not quite enough unless your teammates are sort of coordinating that Mm -hmm. so yeah it that could be a cool system going forward i think it will be necessary to see you know how that works in the full game again to to really see the true potential of it but i think yeah the bones are there And, and they've clearly put that front and center as a way to make it a modernized version of what they've done before if you will yeah i think initially when i was sitting down to actually play the beta i was like ah this all kind of feels like very reactionary to the trends in multiplayer game that we've seen over the years and 
I think from afar, that's definitely true, right? You've mm. got now you've got perks, you've got character classes with buffs and things like that. You're doing a lot more um, number crunching with your gun, yeah. And each weapons have sort of like these different, uh, the equivalent of like the star or light level from Destiny, things like that. Which from afar, I was like, this all seems very reactionary. I don't know how much of this is actually needed. But then when you actually sit down, and you play it, and you get to either envision yourself playing with a group of friends or getting to play with a group of friends like I did, I see a lot more longevity in this than I did even with Left 4 Dead. That's yeah. not saying that necessarily, again, this is based off a small sliver, not saying necessarily it might be better than Left 4 Dead, but it seems like based on the bare bones of or replicating the bare bones of that game and then adding in these features that have been the trend in uh, multiplayer gaming for all these years for the last decade or so. Yeah. I mean, it fuels into something that feels more strategic that moves further away from that keep it simple stupid but it feeds into the hardcore crowd more which i think in the long term definitely i see as being potentially positive right it's this thing of course like it's getting supported in the right ways that it needs to from the developer they have these sort of roadmarks and milestones that provide new content updates and things like that for the brief stint of the foreseeable future and whatnot um it's something that the more I played it, the more I was getting into it. But then it, it again came back to this idea that it kind of alienates new players and it increases the learning curve in a way where I was playing with randoms for a good portion of my time with it, who every single gun they saw, they had to stop and they had to number crunch and all these things. Yeah. Whereas when you've played these types of games for long enough, you're like, okay, I'm going to look for, I'm going to focus on this one stat, or maybe I can just experiment. Yeah. That's another thing. Like people like you and I were like, well, we want to see all the different features this game has to offer, how the different components oh. kind of bleed together. So I was making uh, deck builds for a melee character, which I never play, but I want to experience that at least one run or two yeah. runs. Um, and the increased learning curve and maybe not to again, like, stereotype an entire group of gamers but people that maybe come from something like call of duty or destiny that try to play it like those games and it doesn't necessarily gel with all the different components of this one um again it's kind of a double-edged sword where there's a higher learning curve which is a positive in my eyes but i i understand that that is not going to be the experience of the masses maybe yeah and i mean a smart move on that part you know much as we discussed how it can be good and bad for games, I think the fact that it's on Game Pass when it releases will at least give it a shot, you know? Yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's going to be coming out just before games like Battlefield, Call of Duty, and and the like, so it's already going into a fight that it didn't need to be in. I know it's a different kind of game, but when it comes to multiplayer online games, you're going to be there or thereabouts with your audience, you know? And there are horror game fans, obviously, but not every horror game fan likes multiplayer horror, you know, as well. So it's, um, you know, for everyone that loves classic survival horror, that many of them don't care for Dead by Daylight, that sort of thing. So, yeah, this could be the same. Um, Yeah, you are sort of, and this is, as we said, the safe thing comes back to, you know, trading on Left 4 Dead and hoping that people of that age group that are like oh look remember this you still got your xbox if you've got game pass yeah you could play this thing that's just like you remember and it's like okay uh, it's, it's a smart move you know i think in that sense and it probably makes this a safe bet for them you know now that they can just 
they've probably made a bit of money out of it it might do better because of being on game pass because of the kind of game it is but it's hard to know you know it's like it depends on how long it's on game pass for very true yeah and i think also a new feature instead of just being this i mean in left for dead they had these i think it was four different characters but it didn't really there was no personality or there was no rather uh, stats attributed to each class. It was just kind of like you get a different character with a different personality and what they would say and react to things, which cosmetically is fine, but in terms of gameplay, it didn't add anything. No, yeah, I'd say it came at a time where game culture was interesting and any character that was remotely interesting would be meme worthy. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I've seen so many machinima things back in the day of Left 4 Dead characters, yeah, especially the first bunch, because, and it's why they've showed up in games ever since you know because they've appeared in like two three different horror games now mm-hmm. since then and it yeah because you know it became iconic through that which is amazing for a multiplayer horror game you know that I think of so many since then that I cannot remember a single character from and, and it, you know it's because the, their arms have a gun you know it's like whereas those you know whether you're playing with friends or not they all had their own little character things. I think there's a bit of that here uh, with Barbara Crampton being in there as, as mom, which is you know, an early favourite because it's a very you know Sarah Connor thing going on there in Dark Fate. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. That was perfect because what I was going to say is, is that the classes this time around, in they, again, small slice of the game, but we get an inkling of their personality and their backstories and their mm. history in this world, but then there's also stats attached to it the different starting weapons that are often indicative of kind of their personal combat bonuses yeah. that each class has, but also how they benefit the group, which again, further fuels the need for some type of strategic planning. How involved players want to get on that, again, is going to dictate kind of just their, how invested they get in multiplayer games. If you're picking up and playing this, you're like, well, I'd rather start with a shotgun than a pistol. That's probably going to be it. But when you get a group of four people that, maybe have hardcore tendencies that want to play this game every week together, you start to be able to build off of one another's stats and how you can play that to yeah. your the entire group, but also your own uh, sort of combat plan and how advantageous that can be for the group, but also yourself in surviving for more than a handful of seconds. But <laughs> that's an element that I think, again, you're laying the foundation for a variety of experiences and towards the end of the lifespan of like Left 4 Dead or even the sequel, that was why I started to move away from those games because I'm not somebody that necessarily is looking for the PvP being super competitive. That's not necessarily where my interests are. I gravitate more towards the PvE stuff. And getting to face a PvE challenge that keeps increasing is definitely something I'm interested in. And so to see the groundwork again of back for blood really having more of a tacticianer's approach to it for me at least and my sort of like online friends group that gives us a lot more to work with but also in the future thinking about new maps new infected types new weapons or cards and all these things that of course i'm sure will arrive in some form of dlc but just from playing for five or six hours of the beta with people i can already envision a lengthier time spent with this which again granted maybe None of those things pan out as well as I thought, but at least I'm leaving the beta with an inkling of the future rather than saying, yeah. oh, that was fun for five or six hours with people, but I think I've got all I've gotten out of this. 
yeah, I think there's enough there uh, to be cautiously optimistic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is all you'd really ask for you know, at this stage. It's like for something like this, given everything that happened before uh, with Evolve, to be cautiously, cautiously optimistic going into the game, brilliant, is exactly what we need. Um, really probably the most we could hope for. I don't think it was ever going to be replicating the success of Left Dead for the key reason we've mentioned it is that other games have done it again and again and again and while they may not have done it as well they've done it in different ways and different styles and whatever and you know it's not as fresh as it once was so even with the things they do you're trying to stand out in, in very different ways now. And this was one of my biggest qualms again with this very small sliver of the experiences is that what I'm playing wasn't disappointing. It wasn't, um, I didn't find it like boring or anything like that, but I was waiting to be wowed by one inclusion that is a true original idea and evolution from Left 4 Dead's identity. <laughs> And that was something that I walked away from the beta not having found. No. Um, I, like, I enjoyed my time with it, and yet I was like, a lot of this feels rehashed in a way that I don't necessarily find is an overall detriment. It was just surprising that after all the fervor around this and we're finally getting a beta and now we've got the second open beta, that I'm not seeing anything in this that I haven't either experienced over the course of the last decade of multiplayer games hmm. or even from the original uh, Left 4 Dead. And so that was one thing where I was like, I'm really hoping that in the final release, there is that one element that comes to fruition because if not, it kind of feels like a missed opportunity in a way to take a real gamble on an original idea yeah. when you're playing with this safe framework, right? I would understand why the studio is apprehensive maybe of taking these big original swings after evolution or evolve yeah. and sort of the um, the turmoil that went with that release and whatnot but when you're playing with a foundation that is so strong and steeped in nostalgia for an entire generation of gamers I feel like you got to take a few original swings something that I haven't seen in a lot of multiplayer shooters to that extent no, no. I don't necessarily feel that the beta had that or even teased that for the future of Back for Blood. Yeah, I mean when I, I think of like take you know strictly going on saying there's a co-op zombie based you know, thing where you've got to get to an exit do a thing this sort of thing. The only one that's really stood out for me properly as in doing something properly different is Zombie Army 4, which you know, because that has the sniper elite sniper system you know and how you can do pull off those sick headshots and stuff you know it's like I say sick in the very you know gruesome sense rather than the I'm aging myself entirely by saying it. <laughs> but yeah so that I, I, I really enjoyed and maybe World War Z because it had some of the wave mechanics of uh, you know having just spilling zombies everywhere left right and centre that was in the film that was nothing like the book that it was born from uh, but yeah so there are examples where you can kind of do it a bit like the same thing but different but they also sort of fell down in other areas you know Zombie Army has the thing of being a bit too like Call of Duty Zombies because it goes back to the World War 2 thing and Evil Hitler and all that but it's 
you know, still, you get to kill zombie Hitler. So, you know, it's like, and, uh, and, you know, you can, there's a zombie shark and there's all sorts of crazy stuff that goes on it. Wonderful. Yeah, the, the enemy design here is still very samey, you know. It's mm-hmm. like some of the, the big bads here, they all, I mean, the ogre type enemy that appeared intimidating at first. But, you know, in the end, it was far easier than, say, you know, later when you're facing smaller enemies. And it's just like... Just a big bullet sponge. Yeah, and then when it dies, it's just you can walk through it. And it's like... Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It, it loses all mystique in, in that moment. It's like... And it feels like the load is blown a bit early there. You know, it, it's like you're showing off too much. Having a... A stalker type enemy that you know is that big would be amazing if you had to sort of hide and get out of the way and whilst you're still dealing with other zombies but yeah i mean it seems to be actually the only time everyone focuses you know it, it, when that comes on screen because everyone's like wow that's the biggest thing on screen so we'll all shoot it you know that, that, so it dies quicker as a result <laughs> yeah i mean I, no matter how who i played with bots or players or whatever never once was it a problem yeah, it's like mm, yeah. which sort of the way trailers and the gameplay footage had previously built it up made it seem like it was going to be this big thing and maybe there will be better, bigger and better variants later but uh, that first encounter was a bit disappointing to be, to be honest yeah it was just a pain in the ass because I had to keep dumping mag after mag into mm. it but there's no real challenge associated with that because you can see his big attack coming because he like forms this massive orb of flesh or mutant goo or whatever and yeah. hurl it at you but there's such a the animation t- has like a 15 second uh, warm up essentially before he launches it so you can see it coming so you just run behind a shed or a bit of wood or something um, it's one of those things where yeah it's just interesting that they it feels like the, again come back to like how safe this feels at times the monster design, a lot of them have different variations of them. I think especially yeah. that comes into play in the uh, the PvP mode, which I want to get into in a minute. But at the same time, they don't alter that much. It, like uh, one is one is the ranged variant, one is the close quarters variant type things. It's all very simplistic. And while it's a different play style, it almost feels at that point like you should have just given the single variant and then just have the the special zombie have uh, the ability to do all of those things. Yeah. Because then it's almost like, why are you breaking it up when the gameplay styles are not that different? If anything, it's limiting my styles that I can play in based on which of the variants I'm picking. So that's one of those little things where I was like, well, I really hope we're going to see more variants later in the game that actually like drastically change your approach to situations, whether they be PvE or PvP. But uh, how did you find the PvP stuff? Did you play around much with that? Uh, a little bit. I'm not a fan. No, to be said, it's just not what I want from games like this ever. It's like if I want to play a PvP game, I play a PvP game, and this is not that to me. It's like the Left 4 Dead is the same. You know, I prefer you know, going up against AI-controlled enemies and having a laugh together. That's it. That, mm-hmm. That's that's the appeal. Yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, again, small slice, not really much to say about it. Feels like it's just there to offer another thing. Maybe other people enjoy it, but for me, it was just, nah, I, I couldn't care much for it. 
So this was kind of a point of contention. I was looking over uh, Back for Blood's Twitter page, and a bunch of the comments are people complaining about the fact that the essential versus mode of the PvP portion is stripped out of the campaign, which was a staple of hmm. the left, the original Left 4 Dead's, right? Where one team would be the humans, and then the other team would play as special infected that hide amongst the campaign yeah. levels, kind of like fuck them up in a uh, awful moment, and then the horde comes in and kind of just being opportunistic in ruining a run and whatnot yeah. and the competitive edge to that. I prefer PvE, so that was never my thing. I actually, I don't prefer the PvP here, but I prefer the parameters around it. Right? Yeah. It's more about the short rounds where it's a very limited and it kind of actually takes a page out of like a battle royale mode where there's this barrier that's closing in over the course of the round that forces the humans and the zombies closer and closer together until there's like this uh, epic shootout kind of thing. And while I never gravitate towards PvP, I can appreciate it more in this small round-based system rather than playing through the course of a campaign and then kind of like getting uh, hitting these roadblocks a lot more frequently. Sure, Because yeah. that was the thing I remembered from Left 4 Dead was is that the pacing completely gets screwed up when you're, I don't know, three-fourths through a run and then that run comes to an end because of obviously you get killed by a team that knows what they're doing and whatnot mm. which if you're into competitive stuff I can see the enjoyment in that but for somebody that doesn't enjoy the competitive aspect I just wanted to play with bots or with my friends against the computer so I can appreciate though in Back for Blood them taking a much shorter and more intense approach to PvP in terms of this round based system which has uh, upgrades and things like that in terms of like leveling up your um, your zombies abilities mm. offensive defensive and things based on performance so I can appreciate it in small chunks rather than sitting down for 90 minutes of a campaign or whatever how long it takes but um, yeah I mean I don't gravitate towards it as my preferred style of play but I can I at least appreciate this deviation from uh, from tradition as it were oh sure I mean the, the, there's no problem there that they're going to try it differently probably is going to lead to doing the same kind of thing and it's just their way of testing the waters to see how they can implement it uh, I don't know when I, I the thing that comes to mind now whenever I hear sort of like invasion style mechanics if you will like that mm-hmm. come games and I know they've avoided this but I think of how Deathloop's doing it, you know, with mm. the fact that you are, someone can come in, with the the intention is that they can fuck your game up, but the way yeah. it seems to be written is they don't have to. They can help you as much as hinder you if they really right. wanted to, and I love that. Mm. idea that they could be friend or foe, you know, and that has been the growing trend of multiplayer in recent years. There was stuff like Among Us and games like that, is that, uh, you know, the idea of that these people could be working with you or against you, but you'll never know until I think you know the whole is John Carpenter's the thing all over again. You know who do you trust in your own team? Brilliant. I mean, mm. to the point that even Call of Duty is, I think, introducing it into the next season they're doing tomorrow uh, or today, one of those when they're having a double agent mode where it's literally that who do you trust on your own team sort of thing. And it's like I like that idea more, and I know it's hard to do that, but maybe. You know, in a game that's about infection and zombies, having some sort of mode where that's multiplayer based, where someone might turn. You know, mm-hmm. you never know. I, I like the idea of that, and that, and you know, working a system like that would be cool. I prefer that to this in the long run, but yeah, uh, 
maybe it's not for me in that regard. Maybe, you know, there the are people that enjoy that, the thing that they are putting out. And like I said, maybe they are just thinking to try and help themselves for the future in terms of implementing it into the main game. Yeah, I think that something like that, especially when you take that pre-existing concept and applying it to the PvE portion of the game, yeah, that would, again, increase the level of teamwork because really, as soon as you lose one of your squad mates, the game becomes... You don't even need the AI director, right? Mm. Because it becomes exponentially more difficult. So that would actually foster more teamwork amongst your squad, right? The idea that, oh, somebody has become quote-unquote infected we need we have a certain amount of time to heal them or taking them out before they evolve into maybe like a special or something which furthermore increases the risk to uh the squad um and i think that something along those lines would really help to give this a bit more identity because again you know we've referenced obviously left for dead a lot and I just feel that the closer you get, like it's fine from afar to say that, but when you're actually playing it, mm. it really doesn't do a whole lot that differentiates the experience from Left 4 Dead. And like I said earlier, it, obviously it's a spiritual successor. It wants to channel a lot of that because that actually buys them a lot of goodwill, I think, with gamers yeah. after Evolve, especially. But at the end of the day, like I want an experience that is able to be defined by its own merits just as much as it does in recreating an experience that I really enjoyed previously. Um, and so I'm hoping with the addition of, or, or rather when the full release comes out in October, that uh, they evolve on it in some way, whether it be, I don't know what it needs to be, whether it's a new, uh, a variety in terms of like the maps maybe even, because even the map I thought was very sort of just safe, right? It was just like in the woods, you're running through industrial parks and train yards. Yeah and uh, suburban, overgrown suburban neighborhoods. And it was like, I would have liked maybe a little more variety, a little more pizzazz. It would have made more sense even, I think, if they gave us just like a shopping mall because then, you know, at least it's in line with the zombie theme of things. But uh, it just, it didn't feel, the Back for Blood beta was not very sexy in a way that I want my betas to be, right? This idea that it's like, I'm obviously going to play it day one. It's on Game Pass and all these things. But yeah, I'm going to play it, but I just, it's not something that I am counting down the days or the weeks no. to. It's something that I will play as soon as I turn on my Xbox and says, Hey, this is available. Great. I'll spend the weekend on it. Maybe the next few months, but it's not necessarily something that I'm dying to get my hands on again, which I don't know as a developer or a publisher, I don't know. You want players to leave a beta weekend, not completely enthralled with it and counting down the seconds. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to this, the thing they can probably take away from this is because it's on Game Pass, anyone playing it on Xbox for the beta is going to be saying, well, I didn't love it, but they'll probably have a fonder outlook, thinking it's a bit different when you're saying, I don't want to spend 50 quid, 70 quid on this. Mm. Uh, because yeah, after playing a beta, but when it's like, well, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm getting it for free, you know, in air quotes, um, so why not I'll give it a crack when it comes out and see if it's any better again it's horrible that that it takes that for people to give a shit you know but you know first impressions and all that I think it's going back to what you're saying about uh, you know not being very sexy and not being very appealing in what it does Uh, that becomes more of a problem I think with games like it you know that are essentially live service games now you know and this is going to be like that whether it likes it or not I think and 
you can't really sell it you know in that way you are selling the concept rather than how it plays because how it plays is going to change again and again and again uh, over the years if you're lucky and yeah it, it's a very difficult time to launch games like this in that regard because people will just check out on games like that and in their minds dismiss it forever I mean you see it with games that are insanely popular you know, when they do their posts on social media still get thousands of people underneath saying dead game dead game dead game <laughs> it's like yeah this, this game that gets millions of people every month is a dead game apparently but right. yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like I mean if your game's still got 500 people playing it every month it's not dead you know and it's like it just has 500 people playing it it's just insane you know but that's a whole thing about the reactionary way of things on, online really so yeah I think it's got some hope with the way it's set up in that regard unfortunately I don't think it's necessarily because of what they've made I think it just mm. happens to be they've been smart in how they set themselves up you know the game passing is, is important the beta will be important with that because, like I said, people will be more agreeable knowing they don't have to fork out a whole load of money to try it out. Compared to, say, especially, you know, to other games coming out around then, if you don't really have the money to be buying big games all the time, it's like, well, I'll give it a go. And you might just play it, end up playing it for long, and you might find something that you like about it. And you know, a lot of people will dismiss a game very early on just because it doesn't immediately grab them. I'm a just at my age still very guilty of that now where if a game doesn't grab me soon after it's like mm, I'll leave it done you know I, I'm not done you know, let, you know, unless it's work but you know <laughs> in which case you have, you have to suffer but um, yeah it just it, it's no need and that's the way of it there's just so many games out there vying for your attention now more than there ever were back when Left 4 Dead came out you know, and back then zombies were fresh you know relatively speaking and this is the place now where zombies are in everything they're boring you know I mean we, it used to be the in joke that oh Nazis is the enemy that's overdone and that only went on for like a few years and you know zombies have been going on for decades now you know and it's you know even for someone who loves that sort of stuff it gets tiresome because, because so many of them are the same things over and over again and while there's you know, attempts at being different here it's still you know there's no standout enemy to me so far compared to say you know the swarms that World War Z had or Dying Lights you know night stalking types that, that came out you know something that's a hook that really feels different and that appeared to be, from promotional material and all, the ogre and the fact that you had this giant you know, creature created of other creatures sort of formed together, if you will, I think. But again, as we said so far, not seeming to work. Maybe, maybe, maybe they got a surprise, but we don't know. I was hoping to see, too, with like the ogre, especially to piggyback off that, um, I wish that there had been something more involved in taking that down, right? That's this mm. monolith amongst all of the, towering over these different zombie types and hordes and things that you don't necessarily spend a lot of time 
it doesn't take a lot of strategy sometimes to just chew through the horde of uh, shambler zombies or whatever, the yeah. kind of fodder enemies. So something that maybe was more involved, like there's one uh, area of the map where you have to use a cannon essentially to take out a mine shaft that's been blocked yeah. or something to that extent. Imagine a whole scenario where the players have to work together and coordinate. Okay, two of you are going to go over here and distract the ogre from looking at the cannon while one of you runs over and picks up the shell and then the other one is standing there to fire. Something like that, that at least it forces, it kind of like bottlenecks teamwork at certain portions of the game. Obviously, you want people to be utilizing teamwork throughout the entire campaign or round or whatever, but it feels like there needs to be that moment where you cannot pass without teammates working together. And if yeah. you don't, you're basically screwed. So I think on two fronts, that enemy type is kind of a disappointment in that it just feels like a bigger fodder enemy that takes more bullets. Yeah. But at the same time, it's could have been such a straightforward example of like, here's teamwork coming together and not saying that that teamwork has to necessarily be all that complex, but it just seems like there need to be more instances that force that teamwork to really build across these mechanics that foster more of a strategic approach to things rather than I'm going to hide in that corner, you hide in this corner, I'll hide behind over here or whatever. Um, So in that regard, it's disappointing. I will say in regards to the idea of the game being on Game Pass, I would hope that empowers them to take bigger risks Mm. with content providing in the future because they're going to come into it with a much bigger base of gamers on Xbox than normally they might have. Right, because obviously people like you and I, who maybe aren't necessarily dying to go out and pick up a copy, shoot, we got Game Pass, get a couple of friends together and play it on Friday night or whatever. So I would hope that that really empowers them to be like, okay, let's try something weird with this next content update, or yeah. let's implement a feature that maybe speaks more to the hardcore audience, or maybe it speaks more toward the the, uh, for lack of a better word, the newbie audience. It's one of those things where. I hope that they really take advantage of that player base being there day one rather than just planning for the future of similar content. Because I think that would be a huge mistake in terms of just giving us more of what, again, this is based off of a sliver of the game, just giving us more of what seems to be an indication of what we're going to get day one. I think that would be a huge mistake uh, moving forwards. But it's one of those things where it's a beta that, again, didn't think it was necessarily the sexiest thing I've ever played, but... It at least I can see the legs on this having a more strategic depth that makes me want to maybe get into it more mm. than I maybe would have previously before having played the beta. Yeah, I mean, it sounds horrible to say, but it's like maybe it's just the right kind of mindless fun, the sort of thing like I don't want pressure to play anything, something that's easy to play to a degree. Um, it has a bit of that until it isn't. Um, but like I said I am that little bit optimistic that maybe the rest of the game is going to throw something a bit different at us and this is very much like the the introduction safe easy and that would totally make sense because that's what you want people to get into the idea that it's safe and easy and relatable and oh it's the same sort of thing and maybe the rest of the game gets wilder more things there and I fully believe that could be the case because you know, from not just from their experience with Left 4 Dead, but with Evolve, I, I really do believe they know what audiences want, even if the audience doesn't know themselves. So, I, I yeah, I, I'm holding out hope that, that there is something beyond that. And I think 
that's why despite you know it sounds very negative what we said you know so far tonight but today it's just i think despite that i can't you know i enjoyed it all right you know it's like it's okay does the job and i think it could be better and might well do better by the time we actually get it it's definitely one of those experiences that you walk away from and you're like okay if I play this with my three friends, I'm going to. It is going to immensely improve upon my overall experience with mm-hmm. it. My thing always, though, is is that should you be designing a multiplayer game that is based around the fact that uh, not everyone has the luxury of having other people to play games with mm-hmm. that they know or that they or whatever people that they feel comfortable with enough playing multiplayer games yeah. and coordinating and things like that. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's like, yeah, it's always a plus and. My experience with the beta was obviously much more positive when I was playing with my buddies. But as soon as my buddies weren't available to play, we all have different schedules and life and these things. My enjoyment of the game begins to kind of take a steep uh, decline pretty drastically in a way that I would hope that it being on Game Pass allows more people obviously to get into it and to hopefully have friends to play with or maybe play with people that they can kind of like foster uh to play with on their friends list to have more of a experience, better experience with it. Yeah. I know. I think it just, again, it's unfortunate side effect to the way games have turned out is that you've got to cater to both. As much as you want to pander to an audience that was there, there is an audience that is there that is far larger. And not all of them are really into the idea of doing, you know, set things the way that, things were used to be done you know and so as a result it could be really tricky trying to balance that you know and I think there's definitely evidence of that so far with Back Blood that there's some struggles between trying to make it accessible make it relatable to people who are not really into this stuff whilst catering to the fans the, the older games and you know that's always tricky no matter how well you do it I think you know, any sort of rebirth of something that's beloved in the horror genre, game genre has proven to have its detractors whether you know even in something as big as Resident Evil 2's remake for instance you know the, the people that hated the way it went now I, you know, I was very lukewarm on that the, at first because I was like you know and, but I understood why because you know, Resident Evil 2 is one of my favourite games ever. So you know, mm-hmm. it was never going to be as good to me. But then the more I played it, the more I appreciate that how well they changed it and made it feel the same uh, whilst evolving it. And it's a very tricky balance to do. And I think yeah, they're giving it a good go to Little Rock. But it, it's not their own history they're up against here. It's everybody, all the stuff that's going between you know, that, that has really changed multiplayer gaming, especially co-op gaming. And and the fact that what used to be a case of you play a multiplayer game with your friends almost exclusively, because if that was the easy way of doing it, and it was a novelty then, you know, back in the early Xbox 360 days especially, where, you know, online gaming together on a console, wow, exciting, everyone would do it together because that made sense. You didn't have to be in the same house, but you were still with your friends, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, you know, you, you get, especially when you get older, you know, you don't have the chance to play with your friends as much maybe and like that and you have to kind of play with strangers and people are more used to playing with strangers and 
does mean does mean they're more complementary towards strangers. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> there's a reason I mute all on every game. <laughs> but um, yeah, but yeah, it, it, I, I, it's a very hard thing to do uh, nowadays. But and uh, you get it or you don't. You're going to misfire it at, at some point, and some part of the audience isn't going to be happy with what you've done. And you know, I think, like I said earlier, it's maybe the most telling thing that despite having concerns and grievances, that not we're not here railing on it really. You know, we're, we're here saying that, oh, no, I, I get what you're doing. I know why this is a problem and why you've got to try and balance between new and old. And maybe there's more to it than this. And that's the optimism we can hold till October. Well, that's the thing. Like, we don't have much uh, much longer to wait for it. Mm. Just a couple of months, and then we'll be. Uh, I'm sure we'll have we'll have a guest on to chat about our overall experience with the full game, and we'll have that uh, luxury, of course, of it being on uh, Game Pass day one for Xbox yeah. and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, as of the posting of this episode, there's currently the second beta. This one is open through uh, August 16th mm-hmm. for people that want to check out Back for Blood, and uh, we will more than likely have a chat on the full game in October but uh, Neil as always it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room yeah yeah very good thank you thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform and for updates on the show follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod thanks again for listening and we'll see you guys next week <laughs>